everyone. This is Sean Harwell. I'm going to sing this entire podcast, and I'm not going to do that. But this is a Never Heard of a Podcast. This is the show where we talk about movies that have slipped through our cracks. That is plural, and I am joined once again today by the main man, the myth, the... What's another good, fun word that starts with M? Uh, man, Manchigo? The Manchigo. Mm-hmm. Say hello, co-host Craig Moorhead. Craig Moorhead. I thought we were singing everything. We'll turn it into a musical. That'd be fun. That would be good. I mean, it'd be terrible to listen to, but... Right. Fun, to, fun do. to do. Yeah. You're an accomplished musician, too, so you've got some pedigree in this department. Absolutely. Accomplished is exactly the word I would use. Yeah, and actually, if I can cheesy segue us into the fact oh. that we're talking about a movie that has something to do with music, at least in the title, as far mm-hmm. as we know. I don't know much else about it. No. But we will get to that in just a minute. Before that, please turn your eyeballs and your clicking fingers to neverheardpodcast.com and find us on the web Say hello. Uh, go get your podcast wherever you get them. I read today that there's a very popular podcast app called Pocket Casts that was purchased by NPR and several oh. radio stations and This American Life. There's like a whole cadre of, I can only assume, like really white people uh, mm. with NPR voices. <laughs> and they bought this very popular podcast app. So I'm very excited to see maybe uh, what they're going to do with this thing, if they do anything different about it at all. But at any rate, you can probably find us on that one for the time being until they realize we're there and then they kick us off. And uh, come do that. Come say hello. And we always like reviews. Those are nice. Oh, yeah. Hey, Craig. Yeah. Do you remember when we talked about a movie called How I Got Into College? Uh, it seems like so long ago, and yet it still seems like yesterday. If you're not caught up, go check that out. We hit April hard, mm. but it's a new month. It's the month of May. Craig, you have picked the movies that we're going to check out this month. And I don't know, do you want to talk a little bit about why you chose these two? Or at least uh, you can tell us what this first one is, or uh, we, we could also save that to next time. Yeah. If you just... You know, if you want to be a tight-lipped uh, jerk about it. No, I. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay no, I don't want to be a jerk about it, and, and I'll be. I'll be very upfront. Here's the deal: the month of oh. May is the month yeah. of moms. That's the way I think about it. That's right. We appreciate our moms. We're gonna say Happy Mother's Day to them. Maybe take them out to dinner. Send flowers, perhaps. Whatever. Whatever it is. However you celebrate is fine. Just don't <laughs> drink too much. Are you talking to the mom, or are you talking to the to the children? Talking okay. to, just talking to everybody. Okay. Just just good common sense, I feel like. So I wanted to uh, pick two movies that maybe they don't necessarily celebrate moms. I guess I could have gone a little farther with that. But but definitely I wanted women in the lead roles of movies that are, you know, thought to be pretty good. But also, maybe not many people have seen. It's a very narrow window, Sean. Yeah, that's a pretty specific uh, search criteria there, Craig. It really is. You Google that, you're only going to get two, three hits back. Isn't there a movie called Mother's Day? Oh, yes. And I didn't want to have to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's way too obvious. Yeah. It's going to be a bit uh, too on the nose. So the two movies that we're going to do during this month, first one is Johnny Guitar from 1954, starring Joan Crawford, who I think is just known as a wonderful mother. Is that the idea? <laughs> We can get into that. Well, we'll get into that I'm going to get into that for sure, yeah. <laughs> and the other one is uh, Blue Steel. Man, when was that? 1990? 1988? 90? 
That sounds rightish. Somewhere in there. We'll, we'll straighten it out by the time we talk about it. Uh, starring ah. Jamie Lee Curtis, who's wonderful. And uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow, who is also generally pretty wonderful. So that's what we're setting our sights on this month. I like Today it. we're going to tee up Johnny Guitar. Yeah, that'll be the perfect moment to like insert some awesome guitar solo. Oh, yeah. I know. I should have brought my guitar. I could do it live right now. So, yeah, Craig, once again, you're going to walk us through the cast and crew of Johnny Guitar. Mm -hmm. And I can only assume we're going to skip the screenwriter again this time because who cares about those people? Yeah. Screenwriters aside, um, who made Johnny Guitar? So, Johnny Guitar is directed and produced by Nicholas Ray. Maybe you've heard of him. He directed yeah. a, a small, tiny movie called Rebel Without a Cause. <laughs> yep. He's done a bunch of wonderful stuff. Another movie that he made was Bigger Than Life, which I watched a couple years ago. It might still be unavailable. I don't know if you can even get it DVD, streaming, anywhere. Jeez. If somehow, if you can find this, or if you know Criterion brought it out in the last couple years and I just didn't check, it's a kind of a bonkers movie. It's kind of an issue movie that is very specific to its time. Oh, wow. It goes to some some wild places. It's about cortisone. I'll just leave Very it there. Cool. Okay, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Sean, I know you were joking when you said I would skip writers, but uh, <laughs> there are there are two writers involved with this one, which I was surprised to learn. Mm-hmm. The first is... Nope, that's not his name. Uh, that is autocorrected. Uh, let me <laughs> hold on. Uh, for, the first fellow's name is Philip Jordan, not Jordan, oh, uh, as my text file would have me believe. Dang, autocorrect. But uh, Philip Jordan, he won the Oscar in 1954 for Broken Lance. So this same year, same year, year as Johnny Guitar. Nominated for Detective Story and for Dillinger before that. He also wrote the horror movie. If you if you were a big uh, 80s Fangoria reader, you'd be familiar with the movie The Unholy from 1988. Cool. Which apparently has just been uh, remastered. And so there's a nice crisp copy out there for you guys. And I also found this note, and I wasn't able to look into it too much. He was a front for Bernard Gordon on Day of the Triffids and a front for Ben Maddow on The Naked Jungle. And I have uh, a lot more information on that front, Chris. Fantastic. So. Also, this movie was based on the novel by Roy... His name's not Roy Chandler. Chancellor. That's right. Text file's really <laughs> failing me today. Um, <laughs> awesome. uh, based on the novel by Roy Chancellor, uh, he also wrote Cat Baloo, uh, which yeah. was turned into a movie in 65, and he wrote tons of stuff for the movie's stories and screenplays and stuff between 31 and 65. Now, there's music in the movie, Sean, and it was composed by Victor Young, who also composed the, movie, the music for the movie The Quiet Man. Is it guitar music? I don't think it's all guitar music. I think they Dang. went against okay. type. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's actually all piano. The, the exact <laughs> okay. opposite of guitar. Should be saxophone. That'd be great. Oh, wow. <laughs> you could replace any sa- soundtrack with a good saxophone. Yeah. It would improve it. But uh, so he, he composed music for The Quiet Man and also for a movie called The Ghost Breakers in 1940. Ghost Breakers? Ghost Breakers. I believe it's a Bob Hope movie. You can imagine the comedy that ensued. I'm really interested in that now. Yeah, we may yeah. have to check that out at some point. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, yeah, that, that's not uh, uh, <laughs> uh, autotype at all. That's actually Ghostbreakers. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, so the cinematography was handled by Harry Stradling Sr. That's a good name. Isn't it? 
He also shot Streetcar Named Desire, My Fair Lady, Hitchcock's Suspicion. A lot of Man. good work there. Jeez, yeah. Yeah. Film editing was by Richard L. Van Enger, also not autotype somehow. Hmm. Um, he edited Sands of Iwo Jima and later the Wonder Woman television show. It's a lot of range. Now, this movie also has actors. Let's talk about them. Yeah. The main, uh, in, the, in the lead role, well, I guess not the lead role, right? It's called Johnny Guitar. But she's the <laughs> lead the lady role, in the movie. Yeah. Right. Joan Crawford, who won uh, her, her, her Oscar for Mildred Pierce, was also mm-hmm. in the Bonkers Bonkers movie, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, yep. which everyone should always check out every day. Uh, <laughs> we've, got, <laughs> we've got Sterling Hayden. Okay. Every day. Love him. Uh, yep. Sterling Hayden, of course, he's in Dr. Strangelove. He was in The Asphalt Jungle. He pops up in a lot of good movies yeah. uh, all over the place. Check out his whole body of work also every morning. Mm-hmm. Mercedes McCambridge. She was in Giant. She was in uh, episodes of Cagney and Lacey. She was also the demon from The Exorcist. That gave me a little bit of pause. Wait, what? She is credited as demon from The Exorcist. As in she did the voice? I guess so. Huh, interesting. So, yeah, Mercedes McCambridge. We'll, we'll get a good look at her. No just uh, no single voices for her. She's a top three billing here. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, part of this. Yeah. Uh, Scott Brady, who was Sheriff Frank in Gremlins. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Also, Cagney and Lacey. That's right. Uh, we have another actor by the name of Ward Bond. He was Bert in It's a Wonderful Life. So yeah. I'll definitely recognize him. He's also in the Maltese Falcon. You've got everyone's favorite actor, Ernest Borgnine. He was in nice, Marty, yeah. Airwolf. You love him. You can't help but love him. Gattaca, if I'm not mistaken. Gattaca. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's lots of stuff. Even yeah. even new stuff. That Yeah. Oh, yeah. ER. Very long career, yeah. Oh, yeah. John Carradine, stagecoach, Secret of Nim. Mm. Royal Dano. I only reason I pulled out Royal Dano, I did not recognize his picture or his name. He played Farmer Gene Green in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. No kidding, huh? That's right. I wonder if he has any relation to Paul Dano. I know. I should have looked that up. Or is that your territory? I guess it's my territory. It's neither of our territories. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to step on your toes. (laughs) We we need a family tree person to take care of that. Genealogy experts. Yes. Mm. Paul Fix was the judge in To Kill a Mockingbird. And last on my list, but not least, and really not the last of the cast by a long shot, Denver Pyle from Dukes of Hazard and Escape really? to Witch Mountain. Wow. A lot of great people involved in front and behind the camera. I'm looking forward to that movie, Sean. It's, I mean, it's so cool, movies from this era, because if you're an actor, if you pop up in one of these things, you've probably got like... 47 classics on your resume by the yeah. time you're done, you know. It's yeah. it's just nuts, man. So cool. It's true. Anybody else? No, that that's all I've got for this one. Uh if you have some good stories about other people, I I, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to call some of this down perhaps. But uh this movie, Johnny Guitar, came out on August 23rd of 1954. Craig in Austria, it is known as Win Fraunhassen. Mm. You know what that translates to? How's your Austria? Uh, Casablanca? It doesn't. It's mm. uh, I like this. Though. This is pretty cool. When women hate. At least that's the oh. Google Translate version. That, that's it's a good title. Good. I would. Yeah, still good. Yeah. Like that. So yeah, uh, 1954. You got Rear Window, the number one grossing movie at the box office the whole year. Uh, White Christmas 
was number two. So two different, uh, two very different movies there. Yeah. Uh, On the Waterfront was the big winner at the Oscars that year. He picked up at least four of the major awards. You also had Dial M for Murder, Seven Samurai, La Strada, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Lots of lots of big movies that year. This movie though did okay at the box office. It made uh, two million five hundred thousand dollars thereabouts by the time it got to nineteen fifty five, which Wikipedia says adjusted for inflation, uh, would have been around $21 million. I mean, it's no Black Panther. But, <laughs> no. But, uh, but <laughs> it was good for 27th on the year. It did not, however, get amazing reviews at the time. And mm. this is true you know, for a lot of these movies we talk about from back in the day. Yeah. Time tends to treat them favorably. Got some good, good snarky quotes, though, here. Variety said, quote, it proves that Joan Crawford should leave saddles and Levi's to someone else and stick to city lights for a background. Mm. Kind, of, kind of sexist. Yeah. The screenwriter becomes so involved with character nuances and neuroses all wrapped up in dialogue that the picture never has a chance to rear up in the saddle. Nice use of uh, <laughs> Western imagery. There. You gotta, yeah, you gotta get your puns ready if you're writing. You sure reviews. do. Yeah, but man, Bosley Crowther uh, was writing for the New York Times. And also, great name. Quote, No more femininity comes from Joan Crawford than from the rugged Mr. Heflin in Shane. For the lady, as usual, is as sexless as the lions on the public library steps and as sharp and romantically forbidding as a package of unwrapped razor blades. (laughs) I... I think that's a zinger. I'm not, I really don't know. I have to unpack that whole thing yeah. there to figure that it's, out. But it's, uh, it's a good one. Years, so it yeah, sounds yeah. cool. But obviously this movie over time, if you know about it already, then you know that it has been embraced by quite a few filmmakers. Francois Truffaut being key among them, who described it as the beauty and the beast of Westerns, where I believe Sterling Hayden would be the beauty in this thing, though, mm. in the there. I uh, also called it a Western dream. He was especially impressed by the film's extravagance, the bold colors, the poetry, the dialogue in places, and the theatricality. A Moldavar, Pedro Moldavar, a famous Spanish director, I believe, mm-hmm. pays homage to this movie in his Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. There's clips of it on a TV in that film, I believe. Oh. Japanese director Shinji Aoyama. Aoyama? Perfect. Shinji Aoyama. I glanced at his his filmography. There was nothing that I completely was aware of, so apologies if there's a lot of Shinji Aoyama fans out there listening to this. I really like the quote here called, Johnny Guitar is the only movie that I'd like to remake someday, although I know that's impossible. It's probably closest to the worst nightmare I can have. I know for sure that my desire to remake this movie comes from my warped thought that I want to remake my own nightmare. Which, uh, again, we need uh, a therapist to help us out with some of these reviews, (laughs) but uh, I loved it. But this movie definitely is in uh, Roger Ebert's books of great movies. It made the list. Jonathan Rosenbaum from Chicago Reader uh, included it as one of the best uh, 100 American films in 1998. Hmm. But really, who cares? Because obviously, what you want to know about is all the freaking drama involved in this shoot. And there apparently was a lot of it. Uh, obviously, oh, wow. we alluded to Miss Crawford being the key piece of that here. Now, I, I found stuff. This is mostly coming from IMDb and then also Wikipedia and a few other places. But 
Uh, it was claimed that she was very easy to work with, and there were people that said, you know, she's professional, generous, patient, kind, etc. However, she definitely had her issues with Mercedes McCambridge and Sterling hmm. Hayden. Oh and supposedly those popped up pretty early on into the shoot, but Nicholas Ray did not think too much of it. He thought it was heaven sent, be, quote, because, you know, they disliked each other and that would add to the dramatic conflict of the movie. But supposedly this feud dates back to a time when uh, Joan Crawford dated McCambridge's then-husband, Fletcher Markle, Ooh. and uh, they, they said that McCambridge needled Crawford about it. Crawford and Ray were apparently in the midst of an affair during the making of this movie. <laughs> Although I didn't see anything else about that. But also Crawford did not like that Nicholas Ray was giving, quote, special attention to McCambridge. Now, according to a, uh, a book called Flesh and Fantasy by author Penny Stallings, uh, the crew broke into spontaneous applause after one of Mercedes McCambridge's scenes and that just pissed Joan Crawford off to no end. And so he then began shooting those scenes with her really early in the morning before Joan Crawford would get there. That didn't work entirely, and supposedly Joan Crawford, which I think she later admitted to, she got there and saw one of the scenes and flew into a rage and destroyed a lot of McCambridge's wardrobe from the dressing room. Oh, wow. And there was one account that she scattered the pieces along the Arizona highway back to her hotel or whatever. And she did later laughingly, it said, admit to destroying the clothes. Uh, the downside of that is that McCambridge claims that after that, she had two years of complete inactivity and it was reportedly due to Crawford's repeated attempts to blacklist her. Wow. And that's how much she didn't like working with her. <laughs> I think this was all heightened by the fact that at least McCambridge was battling alcoholism, and I think Crawford said she was drinking a lot, too, at the time. McCambridge called Crawford a mean, tipsy, powerful, rotten egg lady. That's a great quote. Sterling wow, Hayden yeah. said in an interview, quote, There is not enough money in Hollywood to lure me into making another picture with Joan Crawford, and I like money. <laughs> Sterling Hayden in general was not a, a huge fan of this movie I guess he said in an interview with the Criterion Collection actually it says it's it's for the release of The Killing a great Stanley Kubrick movie but that he did not care for this film quote they put string like you get at the grocery store over my guitar in case I accidentally hit the strings he said acknowledging that quote I can't play guitar and I can't sing a good goddamn either I was at war on that film during the daytime with Joan Crawford and at night with my second wife. He also supposedly could not ride a horse or shoot a gun. And I think all three of those uh, needed to be a big part of this role, which, uh, you know, the movie's yeah. called Johnny Guitar. So <laughs> this should be fun to watch. <laughs> now, it also went both ways. Uh, Crawford said of McCambridge, I have four children. I do not need a fifth. She's also quoted as having called... Sterling Hayden, the biggest pill in Hollywood. Also said that she was surprised, though, by Sterling Hayden's comments about her and said that she had a letter from him saying that he would love to work with her again. So who knows exactly where the truth lays with all of that. To his own part, Nicholas Ray was, quote, quite unhappy during the filming and later admitted that quite a few times I would have to stop the car and vomit before I got to work in the morning. Jesus Christ. He also said, quote, Joan was drinking a lot and she liked to fight, but that she was also, <laughs> quote, very attractive with a basic decency. 
<laughs> but that's the most backhanded compliment I've ever heard, I think. <laughs> it supposedly got so crazy that Joan Crawford also insisted on all her close-ups being filmed in a studio, so we should look for that because the lighting oh. was more flattering. So it says that no close-ups were ever shot on location. Again, we'll see how closely uh, they were able to match the backdrops, if that is in fact the case. Now, I mentioned up front about the screenwriters, Craig. Yeah. So this is right in the middle of the Blacklist era, and yes, what I found was that Philip Jordan was credited as a screenwriter on the film, although his contributions were pretty limited and that it was mostly written by Ben Maddow, who had been blacklisted, but he split the fee with Philip Jordan. And Maddow, man, really, really interesting. Uh, You know, it was funny because Wikipedia didn't have much to say about it, but I, I found some crazy stuff about the guy. New York Times had some things, and then there was a big article for something called Penniless Press, uh, which is a UK thing. But he worked as a journalist a little bit, or as a documentary filmmaker. There was a lot of lefty political stuff uh, in his past. You know, this is 1936. He was working for a newsreel called The World Today. But he was also a really well-known poet. And in fact, the city was a poem he wrote that was cited by Allen Ginsberg as a big influence on Howl, which I think everybody had to read in college. <laughs> and uh, his pen name for a lot of that was David Whiff. He supposedly just answered an advertisement for someone to write the commentary of a short film, I think maybe this is a documentary, but in that he was introduced to a group of activists connected with a group called Nikino, which was a split off from the Workers' Film and Photo League, which was a communist-dominated organization which made short documentaries about strikes, etc. So... There's that, but it's said that um, very few people in the Hollywood knew anything about his involvement with that stuff, you know, particularly because he used a pen name. In 1952, he was working on High Noon, he was working on The Wild Ones, which were huge, and he was suddenly informed that he was being dropped from both. And he says that he wasn't surprised because, you know, this was already happening to other like left-wing leaning people that he was associated with. And he sort of expected his turn would come. Years after all this, he was asked about the blacklist. And he said that he didn't think it had much to do with eliminating propaganda. Uh, There was a little chance to put any of that into a movie, even if you wanted to, in his opinion, which I've always wondered about as well. But that it was just a means of cutting off funds from the Communist Party. Its Hollywood supporters were well paid enough to have poured money into its coffers. And the authorities wanted to stop this. He felt that much of the left-wing acti- left activity in Hollywood was simply, quote, a sop to the conscience, a soap to the conscience, sorry, of mm-hmm. those who felt guilty about earning high salaries for relatively little work. Um, so he's got interesting and conflicted opinions on this. And then, I don't know, depending on how you look at it, I think it was kind of sad, but he did testify before the House on American Activities Committee in 1958, and he did name at least some names in return for clearance to go work in Hollywood again. Uh, he claims, or it claims that he was very vague about this and unresponsive at first. When he was asked in later interviews, he denied it. He claims that his agent paid a Republican congressman so that he could work again. Uh, he later said that he just signed some sort of statement, quote, <laughs> but he didn't remember what was in it. And he was very devious about it. 
But there were people like Leo Hurwitz, which was a leading documentary filmmaker in the 30s, claimed that he had evidence that Maddow had named him. Walter Bernstein said in a memoir that Maddow had given him names, had given up the names. There's a documentary apparently called Red Hollywood where they talk about this. One thinks that he gave up names because he just simply could no longer stand living in the shadows. There was one thing attributed to him saying that around that time he was in low spirits and analysis, but that he had testified, still shocked his friends, and I think created quite a riff there. You know, all that stuff is fascinating. Again, we've mentioned the blacklist before, I think. Uh, The podcast, you must remember this, has a great series on all of that, although my brief search didn't find that Ben Maddow was maybe mentioned in any of those. But, uh, man, what a crazy time. I I just, you know, it's nuts that it it got to that point, and it's always interesting to me to read about that stuff. That's incredible. Yeah. I would love to hear more about that. I know, and I'm, I'm sure it's out there. I think that documentary, Red Hollywood, is from around 2014. So that's out there. We can look for that. And then last but not very, very least, which has nothing to do with the blacklist whatsoever, uh, IMDb claims that Johnny Guitar was intended for 3D viewing. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't see anything else about that, but we'll see if they like throw any guitars at the camera fly off screen you could touch it i i would love that I'm, I'm already hoping that you know based on the poster that joan crawford is 50 feet tall <laughs> it's another don't... one where it looks like the perspective is is that she's a giant yes yeah right. <laughs> that would be great well hey if you want to watch johnny guitaro with us and i think you should i mean mm. come on how interesting does this thing sound uh it's streaming right now on amazon prime video and i believe didn't you say it was on hulu perhaps i believe it's also on hulu yeah there you go. So you can find it. If not there, I know, I think it's on Blu-ray from Olive, which is a pretty good label. So you should be able to find a good copy of this. Check it out. Let us know if you've seen it already. And uh, let us know who you think would win in a fight between Joan Crawford and Sterling Hayden. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'd kill for that. Uh, That'd be Johnny Guitar, yeah. too. That'd be fantastic. Oh, man, there was more trivia, too, about stuff on the set, but uh, some of it involved spoilers, so I didn't read it yet. But we'll, uh, we'll we'll see if we can dig up some more of that for next time when we get to the full talk. It's just so that much. That would be great. Yes. Love these old movies uh, where they couldn't get along and they still made a movie. <laughs> Craig, any last words tonight? Only last words tonight are don't be a pill uh, and don't let your mom drink too much this month. Let's keep it safe out there, guys. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, happy Mother's Day, Sean. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys next time.